Welcome. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. I host a weekly radio show that gets turned into this podcast, the one you're listening to right now. If you're an early riser, you can listen live every Monday starting at 7 a.m. on 91.5 FM. It also streams on WPRK.org, or you can subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Regardless of where you listen, this show is about people from the Orlando area who are doing something neat. My guest for this episode, and the person doing really interesting things in the world of art, is Minas Khan. She shifted from the world of high-tech to painting, and she will tell you all about it. Well, she tells me all about it, but I'm acting as the audience surrogate, so it's the same thing. For more on Minaz and all the other guests, please visit toacertaindegree.com. And now, on with the show. Pete Townsend on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here every week from 7 to 9 a.m. on Mondays. It's pretty much the best show from 7 to 9 a.m. on this station on Mondays. So it's the only show as well. And I enjoy playing music, but I also enjoy even more having very special guests and today's guest is no exception she's very special an artist i met last year through maker fair orlando menaz khan thank you for being here thank you for having me yeah it's my pleasure so we chatted a little bit i got to be on a show a tv show that you were producing and hosting a while back uh, that you're no longer doing but we were talking about art and maker fair orlando and then you set up a table at Maker for Orlando to sort of go over the way that you approach art and that you do it. Uh, so it was not only about your techniques, but about the topics, the subjects. So that was the inspiration for some of your art and the Arabic calligraphy that you also do. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a moment, but I want to get to know you a little bit better first. So we're going to play a game. Are you ready for this? Awesome. Okay, so instead of playing yes or no, up or down, we do something different every week. This week's game is sweet or sour. Okay. So it's obviously, I have a sweet tooth. I don't know about you, but if you put anything and it even has a little dusting of sugar on it, (laughs) I don't know about insects. Maybe I won't eat too many insects, even if they're covered in sugar, but pretty much anything else I'm in for. Sour things, yes, I still like them, but for the most part, I can do without them. So sweet if you're for something. Okay. Sour if you're eh, not so much. No, thank you. All right, ready? Uh, Summer break. It's about to come up. You have uh, three young kids. How do you feel about that? Sweet or sour? It's in between. Yeah. It's in between. It's nice that they're getting older and they're going to the next grade, but... Definitely. And then we're on a break. I can sleep in a little bit. I don't have to be up at 6 a.m., but they're, they're home all the time and they're not sure what to do. I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. So it's a little hard and I don't get my three hours a day that I can do anything, especially work. Oh, yeah. So what about when you were a kid? Was there a summer break that uh, you enjoyed when you were going to school? Yes, we really enjoyed it. So when I was a kid, my father was settled in the Middle East 
And uh, my parents are originally from Pakistan, so we used to go to Pakistan and spend two months there with our grandparents. Oh, wow. So that was really awesome. All of the cousins would come and we meet, meet them like two times a year. So it was, it was different. So you had a big almost family reunion and it was, at least there were enough kids around that you were entertained. Yes. Yeah. All right, so just get your kids more friends. That seems easy. Uh, Minaz, uh, driverless cars, how do you feel about those, sweet or sour? Sour. Really? How come? Um, safety. Okay. And I think I want to have control over it. When I'm driving, I want to be in control. So you feel like from a safety perspective, what do you mean by that? Uh, um, it's just it's you're technology. relying. technology. Anything can go wrong yeah. anytime. So, well, it goes wrong with us also as humans also, but sure. at this point, I'm not ready for it. So you're not going to, if they said, hey, we're testing this driverless uh, Uber, you're not going to jump in? No, well. okay. no, Good no. To know. My son was just talking about this last week and uh, we were talking about the um, air trains that run um, through JFK. Yeah. I think they're they're driverless. Oh, yeah, yeah. The ones at the Orlando International Airport, too, Those are so. pretty much automated well, as well. Yeah, I just feel like the JFK ones have a bigger round from oh, picking yeah. up from uh, Howard Beach Station and a few other spots. So. Okay. <laughs> I just thought that way. Yeah, so, okay, so you're okay with driverless trains, not yes. so much driverless cars. Yeah. So if it's on a track, you're yeah, good with it. It's on a it. track, it's good, yes. It's on a track, okay. I gotcha, that's good. All right, how about uh, you've been in Florida for how long? Uh, for a little over three years. Three years. Okay. So do you go and visit the beach and how do you feel about it? Sweet or sour? Um, sour. Uh, in three and a half years, we've been to the beach maybe three times. Oh, wow. So, so you do your once a year once visit. A year. You remember how you feel about it and then you don't go again for another year. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, we just don't get the chance to do that. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, the kind of job my husband does when he's off on weekends, there's just so many other chores that need to be done. So, and it's not the top on our list. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the beach kind of person. It's too messy and then skin burn and all those things. So sure, sure. it's just not my. Okay. Very good. How about sandwiches? Sweet or sour? Sweet. Nice. What kind of sandwiches do you like? I think any kind of sandwich. Any kind. Any kind of sandwich. That's a that's a lot of options. Is it just the bread that you like then? I think so. It's the carbs and uh, <laughs> but they're just tempting. Uh, I'm always up for sandwiches. Always up for sandwiches as long as it it doesn't even have to have anything in it. It could just be two slices of bread. No, it has to have something <laughs> in it. It has to. Have All right, good to know. Let's see. We've got uh, cursive. So you do a lot of Arabic calligraphy in your work. Right. So in terms of English, um, we often have to learn uh, cursive when right. we're kids. How do you feel about that? I like that. I, I'm going to say sweet. That, I yeah. did learn cursive and I do a little bit of hand lettering mm -hmm. and I really like it. I have a good handwriting also. So, see, I had to buy a typewriter because I have terrible handwriting. <laughs> that was the only way. And I don't own a printer, so I can't write anything on the computer and just print it out. Okay. So it's a typewriter, a typewriter for okay. me. Yeah, which is That's a different one. fairly ridiculous. If you ever need to borrow it, if you want to incorporate that into some of your artwork, feel free okay. to let me know. I will be right there to help you out with that. How do you feel about uh, tiny houses? 
Are you familiar with that sort of movement of people to, you know, you simplify your life and then you, uh, you get rid of a lot of things and you downsize into a very tiny home. Now with three kids, I would imagine that would be impossible, but you know, thinking about uh, another time in your life, would you ever be interested in something like a tiny house, sweet um, or sour? Sour. And then again, like you said, depending on the stage of life mm-hmm. I am at. So I'm claustrophobic, so that's a little bit over there that I feel like tiny house. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Yeah. But the idea of downsizing and having less things is definitely, it's good. Okay. Uh, you so- feel more in control. Have you ever gone through that where you just look around your house and you go, okay, we're going to get rid of a bunch of stuff. How was that process for you? No, but when I look back in time when we were um, we were starting out and we lived in an apartment, we had less things. So we were more in control and now mm-hmm. we have a bigger house and more things with the kids or, or we have just toys. So that way I feel like that was better and you don't have to worry about so many things. But for now, it's okay. So when they're all grown up and they leave and they find their own houses, maybe we'll downsize. Got it. All right. Very nice. How about colonizing Mars? Sweet or sour? No? Do you want to go to Mars? Um, No. No. You don't want to start an art studio there, one of the first art studios. (laughs) You incorporate some of the red sand of Mars into your work. Um, No. No. All right. Do you think we should go? I, I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it. I, yeah, that's not something I'm interested in. Not so much. Figuring out if there is really life. And then again, my son was talking about that, uh, my seventh, uh, sixth grader. And I'm a little unsure if there is life there or they'll find life there. So. Right. More than likely they won't. It'll be a matter yeah. of like. So as a believer, I do think if there was something like that, it would be mentioned so i believe in that so it's not mentioned um it's not there it's not there so then not much interest in going yes for you even i'm gonna let you open the first art gallery (laughs) okay but not so you still then (laughs) then i can think about it okay if i'm the first art gallery i can think about it okay good good i'm glad we had that talk uh are you and your family a big fan of disney movies at all my kids are Yes. Yeah. So what do you think about these remakes that are coming out of the cartoons to live action, right? So Lion King is coming out and uh, Aladdin is coming out with right. Will Smith as the genie. Um, I don't know if you watched the original cartoons well, when you were younger. Yes, I did. Aladdin is coming next week and the kids have already told me they're going. I go, I watch them just because it's entertaining for them. And uh, that's it. Oh, okay. So you're not so much, you're not much of a movie goer in general? Yes. No television movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, do you feel like that's because of the way you were raised? Like you didn't really watch or go to movies when you were growing up? My brothers are. Okay. Um, It's just personal interest. Yeah. Very Um, nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's leave it at this for now. Cobbler. How do you feel about the dessert cobbler? Um, Sweet. Sweet. You like, uh, so do you have a sweet tooth? I have a huge sweet tooth, a big problem. Do you have a uh, favorite uh, dessert in general? Um, so ice cream is not a dessert for me. No, never. <laughs> okay, so it's just a part of the meal. Um, 
I, I don't prefer eating ice cream. I would oh, rather you don't spend, like it. Yes. Got it. A dessert is something rich and creamy. So okay. I will go for any dessert, but not something like as simple as ice cream or has to have more flavor and more richness to it. So from your upbringing and the type of food that you ate when uh, you lived uh, overseas, mm -hmm. was there a particular dessert over there? And then when you came to the States, you were like, oh, now this is my dessert. Um, no, not just one thing. Yeah. I like a lot of things. Okay. So just anything you see desserts, whether it's uh, chocolate, eclair or... It's not chocolate. Oh, not chocolate. Yeah, it's not okay. chocolate. I don't eat chocolate at all. All right. Well, that really. narrows it down. Yeah. It's not chocolate. It's not ice cream. It's like maybe a creme brulee. Okay. We want an example. Sure. So that is dessert. Like a rich. Yeah. Right. Or an English toffee pudding. That is a dessert. Delightful. And is it just anything because of chocolate? You don't like the flavor or? I don't know. I mean, I just don't like chocolate in okay. general. Yeah. There's only one kind of chocolate that I prefer eating, and that's Kit Kat. And that also has to be made in UK. Oh, okay. okay. So the so, the a little less sugar in it than the American version, I would imagine. The taste is completely different. Really? But I can feel it. So the Nestle, I, I think Nestle makes it there yeah. in the U.S. or in Europe. And Hershey's chocolate and Kit Kat made in the U.S. is completely different. Interesting. So next time when you try it, you, you remember that and you'll feel a difference. Okay. And you know, in Japan, they have a lot of different flavor Kit Kats, but yes, they're really yes. weird, yes. like I'm red not bean. In trying those. <laughs> you don't want any sushi Kit Kat. Oh no, no, oh, no. that's weird. Um, okay, well, let's leave it at that for now. Menaz, thank you so much. And we're going to hear from. Oh, so the first song we heard was Pete Townsend uh, with "My Let My Love Open the Door," which I thought was an appropriate song for our talk this morning. <laughs> it was also his birthday yesterday, so that's why I played that. Uh, we're going to hear Ratatat next with El Pico on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. And before we take a break, Minaz, what's a good way for people to get in touch with you to see your artwork? Okay. So Instagram is the best way mm -hmm. or my website. And they're the same name. It's Minaz Khan Studio. And that's M-E-H-N-A-Z-K-H-A-N Studio. That's correct. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll take a look at that. Thank you so much. And here is Ratatat on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's hard for me to ask for your support because you're already doing so much just by listening. If you have the time and inclination, subscribe to the podcast, follow the show on your chosen social media platform, whatever you want. Hey, how about more? Let me know what you think. Email me, leave a review, DM me. Whichever channel works best for you, it works best for me. Again, I really appreciate you being here, being present, sending me presents, those sorts of things. Now back to the show. Ratatat on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from their 2004 album, uh, self-titled album, that was El Pico. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. My special guest this week is Menaz Khan. How are you, Menaz? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So as an artist is how I was uh, introduced to you. You were looking for ways to... Uh, find uh, connections to the community through your art. And you did the Maker for Orlando. You had a table there for the two-day event back oh. in November. 
And so a lot has changed since then in terms of the art that you're doing and how you're working and how you're concentrating. So one of the one of the things that I always like to ask people is we have this idea in our head of what an artist is. And, you know, I think there's a stereotype that exists with that is that you're a starving artist, that you're struggling, that you can't make a career out of being an artist. And so what I wanted to ask you first before we get to that is when did you start, when did your journey and when did your passion for art start? Was it in school? Was it more recently? How long and how long have you been doing it? Okay. So uh, my passion for art started a long, long time ago. And that's when I don't even remember, but I was really young. And now when I look back in time, I did a lot of things and it was quite obvious that this is what I wanted to do. Um, but as a professional career, I just started a, l- a year ago. Okay. And why did you make that jump and why was it important to you? Okay. So I didn't kind of make a jump. I took a long break after my career, which was uh, IT based. And then I stayed home with my kids uh, for eight years. Mm -hmm. So after my youngest, she turned four and I decided it's time that I can go back and they're old enough that I can work and handle both of these things. So what do I do now? I have a huge gap. Even if I go back in the IT industry, I have to kind of start all over again. And then it just clicked to me that this is what I used to enjoy. And I did another painting and I really enjoyed it. And this is where I want to make my career. Um, So that's how it started. Wow. Okay. So let me ask you then uh, again. So this isn't like a side hustle for you. This is a full-time job. It is. It is full-time. And becoming an artist and finding your style and finding your voice, even a year in, is probably something you're still doing how has it changed uh, the style of art and then how you're approaching it because in in from what i've seen it's changed very much uh, in terms of even the photography that you're using on your social media platforms and how you approach the artwork and describe it right so can you talk a little bit about that Yes. So a year ago when i started i started with things that i really um I like them, but I was trying a lot of different things, a lot of different mediums, a lot of different techniques, and um, which is very different now. After a year, I've ended up with something else that I've chosen to continue or I've niched down with. But I think I in this one year, I did like an art degree. I tried so many different things that I'm so happy that I know so much. Um, I don't count it as like my time wasted in business or I was that starving artist for that first year, but I've learned so much. And if I look back, um, I just don't even know how I did it, but, um, I enjoy it all. And that's the problem. I enjoy too many things. So it was difficult for me to pick one, uh, but I had fun. And then I finally went with the one that I enjoy the most. I literally crave to make those paintings. And um, being an artist, honestly, you love color. You just have to love color. It's uh, all about color. But making a brand, you want to focus on one color. So that's why my my photography is different now. It used to be very colorful, Mm -hmm. but now it's um, staying with one color. 
And what color is that? And that's the pink. Okay. I just want to make sure. So, again, we were kind of joking about this off the air, but you're on brand today. You've got a pink shirt and a pink jacket on. Yes. I'm, I'm rocking my pink attitude. Yes. So it's, um, I, you know, people say, like, pink is too feminine or I don't like this color. It's too much pink. So uh, I say that it's an attitude and it's nothing color is not feminine or masculine. If you want to call it feminine, it's because pink is a very soft and inviting color. And that's the feminine attitude in it. Mm-hmm. But it's still about um, the bold, confident woman. So do you want in the paintings that you do, do you want more of a story to connect with the person who's ultimately going to end up with the piece? Uh, do you want it to be both? the story and the actual visuals of it? Like how important is that background and the attitude that you're instilling into the piece? So the visuals are there because it's floral and um, flowers have just a different impact, but it's Mm -hmm. more about inspiring and more, more about inspiring women like myself, how I was a decade ago when I had my first baby and I, I was very ambitious, but then I gave up everything and I decided to stay home, stay, uh, be a full-time stay-at-home mother. All the anxiety and the depression you go through and you don't understand how to take care of it. So it's more about inspiring women like me to um, make their environment beautiful. To If you want to be happy, you our, our environment subconsciously affects our mind. Mm-hmm. And to be happy, we have to be in a happy environment. So what we do is when we're depressed, we don't care about our home and uh, our like how things are looking ourselves personally. And we just feel like when we are in a good mood, when we will be happy, we'll take care of the home. So it's not how it works uh, because the environment is affecting you. So you want to make sure your home is nice. It reflects that um, behavior that you want to have. And that's what it's about. It's inspiring them. It's bringing color and light into their lives. So it's like happy paintings. It mm-hmm. makes when you look at it, you feel happy. Those colors are really, the pastel shades are really, um, they brighten your day. They're really uh, calming, and uh, I love them. And I it just makes me smile every time. And sometimes when I'm feeling upset, I'll just go into my art studio and look around my paintings, and it makes me happy. And then I come back. So um, that's what it's more about: inspiring women. I think it's it's sometimes easy to overlook art. Uh, maybe there's some at work, but it's you know hasn't been updated in a while, and you just kind of overlook it. Or maybe you have some stuff in your house that you just hung up. It's interesting to really connect with a piece of art and then have it up in such a way that it does bring you a certain amount of joy and it does tell you or elicit an emotion. Right. Right. Hopefully right. not anger and hopefully not fear, but you know, happiness or joy or uh, inspiration, as you mentioned. So if you want to see any of Menaz's work, uh, you can go to uh, uh, Menaz Khan Studio on both Instagram and Facebook. It's probably the best way to see Instagram for sure. I think that's your main outlet, but you can see it on Facebook as well. And that's M-E-H-N-A-Z-K-H-A-N and then Studio. And I'll have all the links on my website uh, as well. So let me ask you about then, you know, you, you made this choice instead of going back to it, you wanted to pursue art and you're realizing as part of it that it's not just about creating the artwork, 
right? It's not just people are not going to come knocking on your door just because you've painted something as amazing as, as the artwork that you do is. Um, they're not going to come there. What have you found with now finding a balance with your work in terms of the art, your family, and then the promotional aspect of everything? So having to be on social media, and I've noticed too you're producing a lot of videos where you kind of explain the thought process maybe behind a piece of work or here's how I paint, here's the technique uh, with the oil paintings, for example. Um, how have you found that to be? And, you know, was that, I guess, an initially a frustrating experience for you? It was. It was definitely frustrating. And uh, like this say that you connect with the story and it should be inspiring. And there were so many times that I was frustrated with everything when I went to paint. So it was killing the purpose. But now I have things more in control. My um, kids understand it and they support me a lot. Uh, they check my Instagram more than I do. They give me ideas and uh, they remind me that you have to take pictures of these things to post on Instagram. Like I'm still not used to it, recording every single moment of my life. Sure. They remind me that. So um, there were things like, you mean as family, what I had to give up or how yeah, did I, you, how do I manage it? If you did, because obviously they're older. So when they're, when they're very young, Yes. It's it's incredibly difficult to do something along those exactly. lines. But as they get older, they become a little more self-sufficient. But so you, I guess my question is, you knew there was going to be some level of balance between work, in this case, your art and family. And you didn't necessarily take into account. And this is my question then is that there's going to be so much effort that needs to be put in to social media as well. When you found that out, you said it was it was hard. It was tough to try to balance that. How are you embracing it now versus, you know, that initial frustration? Okay. So I, I don't know. With over, over time, it got better. I learned things. I learned to do things with strategy, and uh, I think that's where that's where the frustration went away. If you don't know what you're doing. And you're just trying to figure things out, like business point of view, just trying to figure things out. And I didn't know how it's going to work. That was more frustrating. Now, I have a plan, um, what I want to achieve and where I want to go. So it's not that frustrating. So it sounds a bit like when you were, you're experimenting with the different paints and techniques and the science behind it, but having to finally figure it out and focus on one thing is that kind of what happened with social media where you, instead of trying all things, you're like, okay, I'm going to do these five things a week or something along those okay. lines. So basically what happened with social media was I joined a marketing um, mm. plan. So that, that's what worked me, helped me like how to handle social media for business. Um, that has helped. So the Got frustration it. is gone. The guessing game is gone. And so when do you, you know, we think of artists as people who are waiting to be inspired mm -hmm. and then they start painting. So, but the, the challenge is and the reality is that sometimes you have a schedule. So how do you balance that out, you know, having yeah. a schedule? I know I have free time from here to here. <laughs> I need to paint something, but, you know, you may not be feeling at your creative peak at that time. What yes. happens for you and what's your 
What's your approach to when that happens? This happens very often because when I want to paint, I cannot paint. Maybe I'm driving the kids to school or something. And then, like you said, when I have time, I'm not ready for it. So that happens often, but uh, any time I can squeeze in. Now, that's also the bad part of working from home, mm -hmm. that you're working all day long. If I have uh, my studio outside of my home, I know that these are the hours I'm going to work. Um, but when you're working from home, it could be in the middle of the night. It has happened. I've woken up at 4 a.m. and because I have this idea and I really want, it's literally, I crave to paint. It's the urge to paint. Um, I've done that or in the middle of, um, gave my kids uh, lunch and I have this idea, I want to go and do it. And once I'm in the flow, I cannot stop myself. So that also happens. You really need to stop. Okay, I've created too many paintings. I need to stop now. So um, there are days that I don't paint. And then there are days when I continue painting, I'm just painting, painting, painting. Mm -hmm. So ideally, as an artist, you should be painting every single day. Uh, for a couple of hours, but with kids and family schedule, um, that's still not feasible for me. So I just go with the flow. You didn't study art. I mean, you mentioned from a career perspective, it was IT. I know you have a master's degree in IT and an MBA. Correct. When you were younger and art became a part of your life, were you just painting or were you doing other things as well? So I was uh, painting, but uh, painting not on canvas. Actually, I never painted on canvas when I was younger. I would do like glass painting and pottery and silk painting, those different kinds of things, which, mm. yeah, different kind of styles. And so doing stuff like that, did that help get you ready for the current style that you're doing? Um, no. Because then there was a huge gap of uh, like over a decade that I didn't paint at all. So when I was younger, I never believed uh, that I was capable of being an artist. And, you know, I would like to point that out. Um, you often hear that this person is a born artist. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe in that. There's no such thing as born artist. There are so many techniques that I don't know how to do. For example, uh, I cannot sketch or make a portrait, but that's a technique, which if I want, I can go ahead and learn it. It's just like, why doesn't somebody say that this person is a born physician or a born economist, right? It's not like that, but they're good at it. And uh, that's the same way. There's nothing as a born artist. If you want to do it, if you really like, you're inspired by it, um, go ahead and learn the technique and you'll know if you're good at it or you want to try something else. Yeah, so they say, you know, one of the, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who said you have to do something for 10,000 hours before you're really good at it. Right, right. Is that how you feel about artwork and is that how you feel about your artwork? I do practice. Practice makes it perfect and then you just incorporate your style. So when I started, um, obviously, since I didn't go to school, I was looking at things on YouTube and other places and I would start with something else, uh, but it never ended like, somebody else's work because you just enter into it. And the more you do it, it just transforms into your mm -hmm. own work. Good. Well, let's take a break. Uh, let's listen to a song. Thank you for that. And I picked some flower related songs. We'll be playing mm -hmm. next. This is in every sunflower from bell X one. Again, before we play that though, Minaz Khan uh, is located, not located. You can find her on Instagram, uh, M E H N A Z. 
K-H-A-N studio at Instagram. And for the most part, you are one of those artists. I've seen this more and more lately where, you know, used to be you had to have a storefront. You had to have a shopping cart of some kind online for people to be able to buy your things or functionally like interact with you at a commerce level. But now what I'm seeing for a lot of artists is they post their work and say, this is available, DM me for, direct message me for information about it. And I think that's a lot of what you do right now. Correct. Do you have plans to open up a shop or is that the main way that people can interact with you? A brick and mortar store? Not so much brick and mortar, sorry, shop online. Uh, Yes, I do have a website online. Mm -hmm. So I launch a collection every couple of months. Uh, and then that collection is sold out, so I launch another collection. So I do oh, okay. have a website, and it's the same, Menaz Khan Studio. And uh, there is a free digital download of one of my paintings also. Okay, very nice. All right, well, go check that out if you are so inclined and want to see some artwork. Right now, Bell X1 in Every Sunflower on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. If you live in Central Florida, you may already receive the downtown community paper. If not, it's available at any number of local merchants and online at otownpaper.com. One reason you may want to check it out, I write for it. There's a story about the Fringe Festival's lottery process and the terror and thrill that goes along with winning. In upcoming issues, I interview Opera del Sol's Nicole Dupre and the Orlando Magic's Pat Williams. Guess what? A lot of other great writers and good info about what's going on in the downtown area also appear in the magazine and on the website, otownpaper.com. If you like the feel of newsprint in your hot little hands and you like information and you like ink as well, pick it up. Now back to the show. Bell X1 on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from their 2003 album, Music in Mouth, that was in every sunflower. Good morning. My name is Nick. Speaking of flowers, my very special guest, Mehnaz uh, Khan, is here. Mehnaz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And so we're talking a little bit about your painting technique, the way you approach art, how it came to you sort of a little bit later after you took a break from work. And you worked in something completely, completely unrelated to artwork. Um, I was just curious about how, when you told people that's what you were doing, whether it was family or close friends or, uh, you know, direct family, like your husband and kids, when you were talking to them about doing something like this, what was their reaction so there was basically no reaction. Um, and I think they were kind of not believing it that uh, I would do it. There was no like, oh, you can do it or you can do it or she's unsure. There was no reaction. But now they believe me. Uh, I've been doing this for a year and um, they believe me now. Wow. And so uh, hopefully I would imagine they're supportive and they are you know, creating ways in which they can um, interact with you on that stuff? Um, or do you guilt them into buying things from you? No, oh, no, okay. I don't. Because You it, may want to look at that. <laughs> it's just not satisfying for my own self. I mean, my yeah. father is willing to, 
he would buy all of it, but I don't want him to buy because it's just not satisfying for my own self. Yeah. Um, they are supportive. We're Billy, definitely a lot supportive when I ask them to do things. It's a little difficult. They all have a lot of things going on, mm-hmm. but they are. Nobody says that um, it's not going to happen or um, I've made a big shift. But they're proud of me that I have made this shift after being staying home um, for close to a decade. And you're still, I mean, you're still home. You're still working from home. Yes. Right. So is that, you know, eventually are you thinking about getting a studio? Do you feel like that's going to be a necessary next step for you to continue to grow? Or is working from home something that you feel like helps the balance of everything that you're doing? Um, it's fine. I don't think I need a studio. I have a, like a separate space. Mm -hmm. Um, so nothing is disturbing that, um, maybe in time we'll see. I'll just, um, why I want to work from home is I save time commuting and then I can watch the kids and get things done in between, which makes my life harder that I'm juggling it all the time, but uh, it's fine for now. Maybe in 10 years, I don't know about that, but at the moment it's perfectly fine. When you're working, when you're painting, your, you know, inspiration may come from a lot of different things. Are you listening to any music or what do you have going on in the background as you paint? So this might be something different that most artists artists say. I do not listen to music and uh, I'm a very visual person. Mm -hmm. And of course, being an artist, you're a visual person. So I like to look at things and once I see them, I know how I can change them in my own way. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, being in the IT industry, uh, like 15 years or more, even after taking that break, I'm very logical, very strategic. So I need things to go stepwise. Uh, that's how programmers work. Everything goes if A or B. So that's how yeah, I, yes, yeah. I approach my paintings also. Oh, interesting. It's very logical for me. It's stepwise. Um, uh, I know what colors I'm going to go with. It's uh, So I just, I, I don't do any intuitive painting at all. It doesn't work for me. So then I need to you, go in with a plan. Do, uh, that plan, does that include kind of sketching it out first? Um, no, sometimes it does. So for if I'm doing Arabic calligraphy, it did. Uh, but not always with not the floral paintings, but I do look at flowers and uh, I'm doing an impressionist technique. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly for a particular flower I'm going for, but the shapes and uh, yeah, mostly the shapes. And uh, I would know my placement that way. That's interesting because I would think that, um, uh, you know, if you are approaching it that way, it's almost like a storyboard or if I was thinking about a website, you would create a site map first mm-hmm. and then move on uh, from there. But uh, yeah, I'm like... too impatient to do that. OK, <laughs> <laughs> so I still like to jump into things. And so it, you have it in your mind. I have it what in my mind. Want. Yeah, I know the yeah. steps in my mind. Yeah, so Has... it's pretty much what the end result is, what was expected. Yeah. Has a painting ever gotten away from you where you thought it was going to go one direction and the painting took you in another one? So it does change a little bit, but uh, I've tried to do like intuitive style painting where I want to go free to, freely and do something. It doesn't work. It's it's a mess. That doesn't work for me. Really? So I don't try that. Okay. So you are not a chaos approach type of painter. No, no. It has to be planned. Very. I love to plan and things don't turn out always as I plan them, but sure. I like to plan things. 
Uh, well, Menaz, uh, Menaz Khan, uh, you can find her at Instagram, M-E-H-N-A-Z-K-H-A-N Studio. That's her uh, handle. And you can find some of her work there. We're actually already done with the first hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, goes by fast, that was doesn't fast. It? I'm a joy to talk to. Let's play another flower-related song, and then we'll come back in the next hour with some bad business ideas, a pop quiz. I want to ask you a little bit about your college experience. Okay. And how that uh, came to be, how you, out of coming out of high school, what happened, what your plans were, and uh, then what actually happened. And uh, yeah, so that'll be coming up in the next hour. Please stay tuned for that. Right now, Talking Heads, Nothing But Flowers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode was recorded live on May 20th, 2019 on WPRK 91.5 FM. You will hear things on WPRK that you won't hear anywhere else. Why? Because the station's on-air programming is all volunteer-driven. It's college radio at its finest. If you have a show idea you want to pitch or some music you want to submit for airplay, get to WPRK.org and talk to the wonderful students who help keep the wheels of college radio rolling. You can also talk to them about underwriting particular shows or just the station in general. There's always something interesting happening, so listen early and often. Now back to the show. Peter Gabriel on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Washing of the Water. Before the break, we heard from Talking Heads, nothing but flowers. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I do this every week, and every week I have a very special guest. This week is no exception. Mehnaz Khan is here. I'm going to say your name one more time. Mehnaz Khan. Perfect. Okay, thank you. Is here. She is an artist, a local artist. She works in a variety of uh, media, but for the most part, she's, a, I would say, a traditional painter. Uh, so you work in oils and watercolors, but then you also experiment a little bit with resins and things of that nature. So you brought me this beautiful piece today. Uh, which I love. And uh, ex- could you describe it? I don't want to do it uh, any kind of injustice sure. by describing it myself. So um, the concept is taken from geodes, naturally mm-hmm. occurring stones. And then this is made with a resin and fine pigments. So the powder pigments. And this piece it has a lapis lazuli in it. It has glitter and German glass glitter. So that's like shards. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on a wooden panel. It's it's quite remarkable. There's so much detail in it. It it you know you're you're talking about it's reminiscent of a geode, but there's also this sort of galaxy uh, sort of space look to it as well, which I appreciate being a sci-fi nerd <laughs> and all that. But yeah, that's the thing about abstract. Whatever you see in it, right, right. So uh, when you started experimenting with this, because this is kind of there's a science to it, right? Like when mm-hmm. the resin and how it mixed with the, the different pigments and how long it takes to dry. Correct. How much experimentation did you have to do? And I guess my question is, how much fun was that? It is a lot of fun, and then I can't stop myself. So it gets really hard to stop yourself, and especially these small pieces. Um, they're just so tempting, mm-hmm. tempting. So it's. Um, it's hard to stop yourself. And uh, I didn't require a lot of experimentation with this. It came easy to me. Oh, good. 
the only thing I have figured out is if you fear something, which resin is a little difficult, and you might have heard all over the place that um, there's a lot that can go wrong. So the first time when I was scared of it, I did make mistakes, and then um, I would just went with it, and it's perfectly fine. It's not that difficult. So you sort of embraced the mistakes, and then you just kept going? I don't embrace the mistakes. No, I'm a perfectionist. Oh, <laughs> nice. So actually doing something handmade was really difficult for me. So I have learned to stop, and like sometimes I want, can please somebody buy this piece so I don't have to look at it because I see the flaws, not necessarily somebody else sees it. And they're just for me. So um, my family plays a role there. They tell me, no, it's fine. It's perfect. It's there's finished. nothing. Yeah, right. there's nothing wrong with it. It's just my way of, um, because I'm a perfectionist. So. Well, because in theory, I mean, and, and I would imagine it would be harder to do with a resin piece, but in a painting, you could continue painting, especially an oil-based paint. You could just keep going over it, right? Right, right, right. Um, but at so some point, So with resin, be, the problems are it's not leveled which okay. actually for a painting, this one is perfectly level, but it doesn't make a difference when you look at a painting because it's uh, hanging on your wall and yeah. you don't, it's not on your table. Yeah, I'm not going to see that yes. it kind of floats. To and the then the um, there's something that causes bubbles in it. So oh, you don't want okay. those bubbles. That's where the imperfection is in resin. Uh, and then um, while it's uh, curing, dust particles and things like that can enter into it. So just making sure it's covered properly. Those are the things. So you don't want the cats or kids hanging around it while it's yes. drying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Well, uh, Minaz, we're going to do a section right now. Now that, now that I understand you know how to experiment, you know how to, you're a perfectionist. This is, you're the perfect person for this segment, which is called Bad Business Ideas. <laughs> I'm going to play the song for it. Bad Business Ideas style to be just one it's gonna be totally legal we hope it won't hurt anyone so come on have some fun all right so yeah this is bad business idea so one idea that came up i just want to this isn't one of your choices i just want to get your opinion on this so I'm doing at the Fringe Festival, I'm doing a typewriter table where people can write thank you notes to the performers. There's hundreds of performers there. There's hundreds of volunteers and the staff that's putting this amazing world-class theater festival that happens in Orlando once a year. It's the biggest one. It's the 28th year they've been doing this. It's the biggest one in the U.S. And it really, for a lot of Fringe performers who actually go from Fringe Festival to Fringe Festival over the summer, like that's how they make their money this is the one they start with if they can get in but what i'm doing is i have all these typewriters there and i'm getting a lot of questions about where to find them i want to use one and i know what's going to happen somebody's going to go out and buy one they're going to use it four times and then it's going to go in a closet because you know it's still a typewriter it still takes some time and effort to write on something like that as opposed to a computer which you can write much faster than you can send the email etc cetera, etc cetera. So how about we apply rideshare like Lyft to typewriters? <laughs> so it's a new organization where people will be able to order a typewriter off of their phone for like a week. <laughs> so here you go. We're going to deliver it to you and then you use it as much as you want. Then you give it back. Is that something as an artist? I don't know if you would want to type something on paper and use that as part of your artwork 
Is that something that you would be interested in, you think, as a, as a person out there? Um, so I would just buy my typewriter and paint it pink and decorate it. Oh, okay. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Because then you could obviously sell it down the road as a Khan original. <laughs> it's more of a piece of decor. Uh, as you said, it's not uh, that user-friendly anymore. Yep. But because it's from the past times and it was something that my kids don't even know about, maybe. Yeah, yeah. so, so they might have some fun on yeah. it for a little while. Like, even though I don't collect antiques, but eventually it will be one. Oh, it already <laughs> is. Yeah, all of okay. the typewriters are already... Uh, antiques. All okay. right. Thank you for that. Thank you for talking me through that. Minaz, may I call you Minaz? Yes, please. Great. You're an artist. True or false? True. Great. You're doing well so far. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if you've considered this as a way to get more people to think about buying your work or to distribute and find more eyeballs for your work. Influencer marketing. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you join forces, you uh, collaborate with somebody who has a lot of followers already, and through some way, usually you're paying them, uh, they will post something positive about your work, and because of that, it'll get you more eyeballs, more clicks, more sales potentially. Mm -hmm. So we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of controversy with that too, mm -hmm. though, because a lot of people don't point out that they're, you know, they're being paid to endorse this product or something along those lines. So I wanted to take that a step further, get it away from these influencers who have millions of followers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about going to influencers with thousands of followers. I'm talking about mm -hmm. the real influencers in a family. We find the person in a family that always wins an argument, that always gets them to do something. Maybe it's the grandmother. Maybe it's the aunt. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the dad that is very strict and always gets people to do something. And we pay them to push their family to buy your products. Mm -hmm. So they are truly an influencer, but at the family level. And so I'm not just talking about your product. I'm talking about anybody mm -hmm. who wants to hire this you know, if they want uh, one of my yayas, my grandmothers, to get their her grandkids to buy something, she can guilt us into anything. Right, right. Right? She can get us to do, and she's got a ton of grandkids. <laughs> so I don't know what it is that you might want people to buy, but she can get us to do it. Mm -hmm. So if you can get in with her, and it will, it'll be cheap, to be honest with you. She just, at this point, uh, just <laughs> wants somebody to hang out with. So if you can speak Greek... And you can tell her what you want her to sell to my family. You can get my grandmother to do just about anything. Right. So influencer marketing, uh, and but with guilt and with your family instead of just you know somebody who has millions of followers. I call this paint someone into a corner. Okay. And so this could apply to anything, not just artwork, obviously, but anything else as well. What do you think about that idea? Um, I would I wouldn't do it for my artwork okay. or any I think product based businesses. But if you have a restaurant and you want the entire family to come and eat and pay, oh yeah, I think it's going to work better that way. Okay, so for restaurants or experiences, yes, something like that, which is especially a grandmother or somebody in the family who wants everybody to get together and get do together. something. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, restaurants out there, 
We've yeah. got a good idea. Now, that's just the first idea. Okay. We've got <laughs> another idea. Okay. Drones, the little uh, quadcopters and other vehicles that kind of fly around. They take pictures. They deliver packages. What else can they do for us? Okay. It turns out quite a bit. How about a drone-assisted exercise system? So we hook you up to either one big drone or several small drones, and all of a sudden, running isn't as hard because you're lighter. Okay. Jumping, you can jump higher and go up into the trees and start trimming your trees, and that's actually exercise. Okay. Hopefully you don't get stuck in the trees. <laughs> I'm not really sure. You could gather fruit. That's healthy exercise plus now you're gathering good food for you. Okay. So that's called Jump for Joy. Mm -hmm. So basically we strap a uh, thing to you, a harness, we attach you to the drone, and then you're jumping around like Mario in Super Mario Brothers or something along those lines. Life becomes a video game for you. Okay. And you're exercising <laughs> at the same time. Now, granted, you're burning significantly fewer calories. Okay. Because you are being assisted by mm -hmm. a drone and you weigh less. So it's almost like jumping around on the moon or something like that. But the idea is that you would be, uh, it would be more fun, I think. <laughs> We're bringing the fun back to exercise. Okay. What do you think about that one? Mm, I wouldn't do it. Okay. So the hardest part for me is to just get off from where I'm sitting and go and do something. So yeah. to get off and put harness myself and put all those things, that's the hardest part. I just wouldn't do that. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. What if you put the harness on first before you start working and the drone is programmed to not let you become too lethargic? So if the drone comes and picks me up from where I'm sitting and takes me yeah. to that spot, so you then have it's no okay. Choice yeah. Then but I'm to okay. exercise. Yeah. How about that same concept, but for your kids when they're spending too much time in front of their screens or doing you know, something that isn't very productive. They already have the thing set up. The drone comes and picks them up and makes them go outside. Okay. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I think sounds good. Now, granted, <laughs> kids are smart enough that they'll probably reprogram the drones <laughs> to take them to the arcade or something like that. But I think at first they wouldn't be able to figure that out. My kids, we, even when they're watching TV, they're jumping. Oh, they they don't sit and watch TV. They just jump and watch TV. Or they're roaming around in circles and watching TV. I don't know what's with them. All three of them, they have this. So, But they're still watching the show. They still they're watching the they show. can kind of keep up with they're what's going They're making animal sounds. They're jumping around and um, sometimes on the couch or just going around in circles. I'm like, can you sit and watch? Okay, so uh, your kids do not need this product. Uh, apparently not. But other kids might. Might. Okay. Minas, I have two delicious meals. Well, delicious is a strong word. Okay. I have two adequate meals set before you. Jump for joy, the drone-assisted jumping tool, and or it gets you, it forces you to exercise and paint someone into a corner where we find family members that are direct influencers on their family and get their family to do stuff for us. So which one would I choose? Which one would you choose? Which do you think is the better... The best of the bad, if you will. Um, the drone. The drone. You like the drone. Okay. Yeah. So do you think it's one big drone or several small drones? One big drone. Yeah, I, th I thought that as well. Okay, so I, I don't know if you realize this, but being on the show, you actually have to now start this business. Okay. 
So uh, find out the where the drone is coming from and how that works and all the all the things about it. If that's okay. Okay. You'll get right on that. Uh, I know you have your MBA. So uh, you could get help? me the, the SWOT analysis, the business plan, <laughs> all of that stuff together. Uh, all right, Minaz, thank you so much for being a good sport. You can find Minaz's work on uh, the Instagram is the best way to look her up. It's also on Facebook. The name and the URL is the same. Right. It's all Minaz Khan Studio, uh, M-E-H-N-A-Z-K-H-A-N Studio. Um, so that's uh, .com, I believe, if right. I'm not mistaken. And then again on Instagram and Facebook. Now, I know you spent some time in New York City, so I wanted to play a New York song for okay. you. This is New York Baby from Leona Ness from her album Comatized on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. The To Be Decided just started season four on their YouTube channel. What is The To Be Decided? I just said it's a YouTube channel. Who is the To Be Decided? The hosts are Miller and Davis. They tell some stories, review music, and generally make some really great videos. When are the To Be... That's redundant. Miller is also responsible for all the bumper music on this episode, in case you were wondering. Check out youtube.com slash the To Be Decided for more. Back to the show. Leona Ness on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from her album Comatized. That was New York, baby. I don't think that's how she would want it pronounced, but I'm going to do it anyway because it sounded kind of cool. Good morning. My name is Nick. I am here every Monday. Every Monday I have a very special guest. Minaz Khan is here. Good morning, Minaz. Morning. You are an artist, true or false? True. Okay, I didn't mean to do that again, but... <laughs> What I want to do right now is a quick pop quiz. Okay. And I have a very special uh, person helping me with that. His name is Simon Time. He does trivia at restaurants and bars around town seven nights a week. Okay. So this is not me making up trivia and potentially, I don't know, just for the convenience of not having to look things up, making things up. Okay. This is actual trivia from an expert. He's here live via recording to ask you five questions. Now, you might be thinking, Nick, it's like my prize is already to be here with you talking to you. Right. And it is. It is. It's a wonderful benefit to being on the show is getting to talk to me. <laughs> but really the challenge for you in this is going to be answering as many questions as you can okay. correctly. Okay. Because if you get all five right, okay. we become best friends. Okay. okay. Four right we become really, really close friends. Okay. Three, we're same level of friends. Two, we actually go down a notch. We just become <laughs> acquaintances again. Okay. And then, because I feel like we're friends now. We're at the three <laughs> level right now. One or fewer, which would be zero, I become your most bitter enemy. And okay. I actively try to sabotage you. Okay. So that's <laughs> okay. not a threat. <laughs> It's to incentivize you to do well on okay. this quiz. Okay. And it's all art-related questions. Okay. Okay? Okay, let's see. All right, <laughs> so we'll get started? Okay. Okay, here we go. We'll switch it over to Simon Time. 
Hey, hey, Nick, it's me, Simon Time, and I've got some great questions for you and Miss Khan for today's Simon Time trivia quiz. Question number one. Leonardo da Vinci's famous work of art, The Last Supper, is currently located and displayed in what city? Is it Milan? Is it Moscow? Or is it in Minneapolis? Milan. Leonardo da Vinci. In Milan? In Italy? Okay, let's see if you're correct. The correct answer is Milan, Italy. It is displayed in the St. Maria del Grazi Monastery. Very nice. Okay, so we're still a bitter enemy level, mm-hmm. but you're doing well. You're okay. one for one. So you're also on track to be best friends with me. Okay. So now some people <laughs> have gotten to that point at four. They've gotten four right, and they're on their fifth question, and they throw the last question because... <laughs> It can be just as intimidating to be my best friend as my most bitter enemy. Okay. (laughs) But we'll see how that goes. Let's get to the next question. Question number two. Dutch painter Johannes Vermeer painted a girl with what kind of jewelry? And be specific. Vermeer's painting. It's a very famous painting. Do you know the one? Pearl earrings. Pearl earrings. Let's see if you're correct. The correct answer. He painted the girl with the pearl earring. Very nice. Two for two. And, I, you know, I was interested to hear about that. There's a, a couple of good videos and podcasts about it. Um, but the reason that piece is so famous, I mean, besides Vermeer is an excellent and talented artist, is it's one of the first ones that had a lot of blue in it. Because blue was the hardest color and the most expensive color to find and to use at the time. Okay. Which I thought was really neat. Yeah, I I did not know that. You're two for two. Okay. We're downgraded to acquaintance right now. Let's see if we can go to get us just back up to sea level. Mm -hmm. Question number three is something that fascinated me and I figured you and Miss Khan would enjoy. What happened to British street artist Banksy's art girl with balloon when it sold for approximately 1.4 million dollars at Sotheby's auction house in 2018 this was just last year you know who Banksy is Mm -hmm. so sort of the graffiti artist that's famous nobody really knows his true identity so there's speculation that he might be not necessarily one person but a a collective of people who go around and painting that thing so a piece of his sold at Sotheby's and then something happened immediately to it. No clue. Okay. Do you want to take a guess? Stolen. Stolen. Okay, that's a good guess. Let's hear. <laughs> let's hear from Simon. Time. Much to the surprise of everyone, the girl with balloon actually shredded itself. Holy cow! Shredded. Yeah. So oh. it was a. Um, it was in a frame. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it sold, the piece actually just started moving down and shredded into pieces. So the person still got it. They still paid $1.2 million for it. And because it's a Banksy, I would imagine it's worth even more now because it's so unique. (laughs) It's shredded now. Yeah. But uh, so Banksy, again, as a person or a collective, whatever, uh, whatever that is, has a particular idea of what art should be. So it's a very 
uh, guerrilla and underground and rebellious nature when it comes to art. Okay. Okay, so two out of three. Okay. We're still at acquaintance level. Okay. So let's get back to sea uh, level. Let's get back to friends. And still we may be able to do very good friends. Okay. If you get four <laughs> out of five correct. Question number four is a first and last name answer that I require. Give me the first and last name of the French Impressionist painter who was known for his works with water lilies and his Japanese gardens. Do you know the answer to this one? And I was curious, were you influenced at all by uh, his work or any other Impressionist work in terms of your own work, which is... What are we talking So the water lilies, he's French? Yeah. Water lilies, Japanese garden. Give me a clue. Uh, let's see. There's another artist who has a name, a last name that's very similar, and they're often confused. One has an O in it, and the other one has an A in the same place. No. No? Okay. okay. Let's go to no. the answer. The answer, Claude Monet. Okay. Yep. All right. One last one. Okay. Let's get us back to being <laughs> friends. I don't think so. Oh, Menaz, come on. <laughs> and finally, rounding out our art quiz, question five, Jackson Pollock was an influential Abstract expressionist painter from what country? Do we get options? No options. From what country? Jackson Pollock. British? British, do you think? Yeah. That's your guess? Yeah. You don't want to go any other country? Or maybe American, British, or American. Okay, I'll give you that one. British or American. Okay. We'll give you, 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 it wasn't uh, multiple choice, but it's multiple answer. I like that. (laughs) All right, Simon. What is the answer? And are we friends again? <laughs> Famous artist Jackson Pollock hailed from right here in the United States of America. There you go. All right, Simon Time. Thank you so much. You can hear Simon Time uh, on the Simon Time Trivia Show at pftmedia.com. It's also available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Simon does trivia around town seven nights a week. Check out the schedule and more at facebook.com slash Simon Time Trivia. Very good. Menaz, thank you so much. Thank you. Did you learn a thing or two? Yeah. Okay, that's all I really care about. That's what uh, uh, my thing is all about. Let's listen to a song and then we'll come right back. This is Delta Spirit with White Table. The reason I'm playing this is because I can just imagine, you know, that White Table being a a blank canvas for you. So <laughs> okay. either you're painting on top of it and, uh, you know, using it as any table and it gets messed up or actually painting the table itself okay. and doing something creative to it. So white table from their album history from below. Minas Khan is my very special guest. Please stay tuned for more with her on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. It's nearly Father's Day, and what do fathers like? As a father, I can tell you they like a place where they can go and get all those half-done projects three-quarters done. Get that at a local makerspace like MakerFX. Lasers, a CNC machine, 3D printers, table saw, welding equipment, and most importantly, 
a community of makers for finding new ways to do things, not to mention a bunch of new projects. The family membership is just $75 a month and there are individual classes as well. Visit www. Oh, there's more. .makerfx, that's the letter F and the letter X.org. Now back to the show. Delta Spirit on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from their album History From Below. That was White Table. Good morning. My name is Nick. It's almost time for us to leave and turn it over to the Orlando Theater Hour. You'll be hearing more about Fringe and a particular show, uh, William Shakespeare's Terminator the Second, I believe, is the show for today. But you'll also hear a lot more about what's going on at Fringe, uh, the Orlando Fringe Festival. And check that out at... Uh, obviously our station, you can continue listening after this, but at orlandofringe.org as well. Uh, so for a few more minutes, I have Menaz Khan here, and she. I want to talk to you a little bit about where we can find out more about your work, first of all. So where is the best way? What's the best way to interact with you, I guess? Like what do you want, if somebody wants to buy something of yours, like, what's the best way for somebody to contact you and to have a conversation around that? So, Instagram and my website. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, Mehnaz Khan Studio, which is spelled M-E-H-N-A-Z-K-H-A-N Studio. Okay. And so, if somebody's going to reach out to you, they see mm-hmm. something on Instagram, message you on Instagram or, you know, email you through your website. Right. What are some of the things you want to know or what are the, some of the questions that you usually get asked? Um, well, when somebody's ready to buy a piece of art, it's uh, usually just simple questions like sizing and how to hang it up. And generally on my Instagram, I'm talking about all the details like um, I show behind the works and my stories. So they get to see already how it's uh, it came to being mm-hmm. and um the material I have used and uh, some process also. And then I talk a lot about on my Instagram tips to um, decorate with artwork. Uh, all those things are there. So if somebody's following me and there are more tips going to be coming, you know, every week, a lot of other things, how you can um, set up a gallery wall or different ideas. Oh, nice. putting up art. Yeah. yeah. So you're an artist, you're a professional artist, which I think is, we were t- kind of talking about this offline about how difficult it is to say that because there are, first of all, some stigmas associated with it that, mm-hmm. oh, you're an artist, you must be this type of person. But also we were talking about how can you call yourself an artist if you don't have the formal training, whether that's a degree or some sort of apprenticeship or something along those lines. So. I wanted to expand on that. Mm -hmm. And I think you can, obviously. I think anybody can be an artist because if you practice and you hone your craft um, and artist, I I think the other phrase or term that we throw around now is maker. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be an engineer to build a 3D printer, right? You can do that and just be somebody who's passionate, likes to tinker and doesn't mind making mistakes in order to find the way to do it the right way. Correct. Potentially. So let's take it back to coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. What was your plan there? And then what actually happened with your 
uh, post, uh, you know, uh, high school education. Okay. So when I was in high school, there were just two options. Uh, well, obviously, first thing, all the smart kids studied science. So all I knew was I'm smart and I have to study science. Mm-hmm. So the smartest kids studied uh, medicine. And uh, I didn't want to do medicine. I was never interested in it. So even in high school, I chose pre-engineering. So I did uh, computer science subjects in high school. And uh, I knew I was going to continue that. So coming out of high school, I went in for a BS degree in computer science. Mm -hmm. And then on to an MS degree and an MBA. And I and nev- was that back to back? Did you, as yes, soon as you were done with was. the bachelor's, you went on to do the master's in computer science? Correct. So after my master's, I worked uh, for a six to eight months. And then, um, so I was overseas and then I came to the U.S. for my master's. And then I worked a little bit in between, but they were back to back. So just a little bit of work in between. So... When you were doing your bachelor's degree, you'd already ta- you had some basis for the, that subject in computer science. Was it the was the school balancing out sort of the other subjects too? Um, I'm not sure exactly how international colleges approach it. So, okay. for example, in the U.S., you would have taken some uh, humanities classes and maybe a language and some other things to sort of round out if you were doing computer science as well. So in that particular case, a Bachelor of Science is typically a little more specialized. Right. Was it all computer science classes or predominantly computer science classes? Um, yeah, so the last two years are uh, computer science completely, yep. but it's just like how you mentioned. Uh, but it was still all science focused so for, for physics and um other calculus classes and other things like those. Oh, wow. There was language or writing um, communications class okay. correctly and some humanities. But the program that I did was completely transferred. So it was equal into a U.S. degree. Right. Uh, it was completely transferred. I didn't lose any credits or anything. So it's just like how you would do it. So as a student coming over to the U.S. to do that master's degree, and that mm-hmm. was at a small school in Nebraska? Um, no, it was in. Uh, it was from the city uh, college, City University of New York. Oh, okay. So that was in New York, and then right. you did your MBA, MBA in, Nebraska, in Nebraska, University of Nebraska. Yes. Was it difficult, or did you find it different coming over to the U.S. to do your degree here or your master's degree? Um, it wasn't much of a difference. Okay, so I was coming from Pakistan, so uh, I had a roommate who was coming from Japan. So there's a little bit of a difference that um, many people don't know. So she, they have in Japan uh, everything, your bachelor's degrees, your master's degree, everything completely translated in Japanese. Uh, whereas in Pakistan, we studied all the exact books that, that are taught over here. Mm. So there was no problem at all in English language or understanding. It was exactly the same thing. In fact, it was a little bit easier. The weight, the coursework was a little bit lighter um, so it was easy to balance. Um, so there was no problem at all. Okay. So I can understand for many people, especially in computer science, mm-hmm. um, and maybe I'm not sure, maybe you wanted to teach in it, or maybe you wanted to become uh, the level of expertise that you could go in and do a management job. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe why you also did the MBA yeah. program afterwards, Correct. because you know, you understand the nuts and bolts of it, right? which is very important, especially when you're 
managing a team of people who are programmers, who are network engineers, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, but then you need that MBA in order to help you manage the personalities. Correct. And manage the day-to-day and figure out budgets and spreadsheets and all that. Not that you need an MBA to do <laughs> that, but it, it, it doesn't hurt. Yes. Right? Um, is that ultimately what you wanted to do was manage, you know, a team and manage a an IT department, let's say? Yes. I was on the software side, mm-hmm. software engineering side, so not um, being a programmer and also not hardware. So that definitely required that. And the other thing I thought I was taking a break from working full time because I had one kid and I was going to have another one. So instead of just sitting home, I thought I'll just do a degree. I'll already have my MBA degree. Usually people have a couple of years of experience and then go for MBA degree. I went the other way around. I didn't want to waste time. Oh, so did you do it online or was it a low residency type of program? No, I went to school. Yeah. Oh, you went to school. Okay. So it was in class and all that. Got it. And then... So I understand that you would potentially do stuff differently now looking back at it. But in general, did you find that that was a good experience? Did you feel prepared for being in the workforce? Did you feel like you had done it in the right order if you were going to go in and do sort of IT management? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If I didn't take uh, the break and uh, I think the break changed everything. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to be home and raise my kids myself rather than somebody else raising them. So I am not a big fan of sending kids to daycare full time. And this is why I did this. I gave up my career for it. So, So now that you're going back and creating uh, essentially a new career for yourself. Correct. Um, do you have any, uh, like advice, what would you tell your kids kind of going in as they're getting a little bit older, Right. they're getting a little bit closer to college, any kind of advice you would give them as far as their path and the considerations and coming out of high school? Right. So anything they're passionate about, um, they should pursue that as a career. It makes a huge difference when you really enjoy it, you really like it. And lots of people are doing this now. They're giving up their corporate jobs and uh, doing entrepreneurship. And as an entrepreneur, I find so many people every day on Instagram and uh, we had a corporate job. We gave that up, which sometimes I feel like, okay, I, I wouldn't do that. But maybe it is because they really enjoy this. They're more passionate about this. And that's what I was, I would advise kids. And uh, like I said, when I was growing up, science was everything. If you, you were just into science, you were smart. That was the definition. Right. And uh, everybody else, if you're studying anything else, they just considered you're not smart. So that has changed and it doesn't matter whatever you're passionate about. That's good. Um, And that's important, I think, for kids not to have that pressure put on them. It is very important. Very important. Yeah. All right, very good. Um, anything else you want to add? We gotta, we gotta get going. It's time for us to be done. How how fast did that go by? That went really fast, yeah, really I fast. Am, I am it, such it was a joy. To awesome. Talk to. It was awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. So people can find you at menazkhanstudio.com uh, and also same name on Instagram. M e h n a z k h a n studio. And any other way you want them to interact with you? Do you want them to, uh, do you want people to suggest color palettes to you besides pink? Sure. 
or to go with pink to complement pink? Yes, definitely to complement pink. Um, pink adding is yours. Adding some accent colors. Yeah, pink is yours. <laughs> so you'll see a lot of that. Um, I'll be back next week with Nicole Dupre. We will have a show on Memorial Day. And we'll be talking about, I think, about ways to just, everybody's doing so many things, right? It's just ways and advice on how to organize yourself a little bit better. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. I'm going to have to research that because I don't actually have any, <laughs> any ways to be more productive or to be organized. And then if you want to come out and visit me at the French Festival, you should go to the French Festival either way. But if you want to visit me at the French Festival, I am at the silver venue. So there's a number of different venues and they're all named after a different color. And uh, we'll be doing the typewriter uh, fringe feels event there. So people can write up thank you notes to the performers and to the volunteers and to the staff there. So please come and visit me and stay tuned for more about the fringe. Menas, thank you so much. Let's shake hands on the air. Cause I always thank think that you that's for having me. Okay. You can let go of my hand now. Okay, great. <laughs> And uh, we'll turn it over to Ashley Ann Gardner and the Orlando Theater Hour just after a song and a little bit of music on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to a certain degree. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to a certain degree. Where do you go from here? Tell your friends about how awesome this episode was. Subscribe to the show wherever you subscribe. Also check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. Takeaways from this episode, we put ourselves into boxes because of how we want others to perceive us. I know I do that all the time. Hopefully you can figure out what your real passion is and pursue it accordingly. Thanks for listening. I'll truly miss our little talks.